Yeah, give all the moms another good hand today. Well, social media is a great way to communicate about family, but how many know the Bible is the book that gives us instructions for how to have a happy family? And that's what we're going to talk about today. My wife and I are sharing the pulpit. Uh, Linnell preaches all over the world. Uh, she has a missions heart. She leads our church missions activities more valuable than I can say. And uh, I'm honored that she's the mom of my three kids and one grandson so far. But she's going to be talking to uh, not just the moms, but all the women that are here today. And then I'm going to be talking to all the uh, adult kids that are here this morning. How many adult kids are in the room here? Let me see you here. Yeah, well, if you're not, you must be a space alien because everybody, everybody's a kid, even when we're grown up. And my mom's here this morning. Give her a big hand. She's sitting on the front row. And uh, anyway, Linnell. Well, amen. So I could identify with several of those texts. How about you? So being a grandma is the best thing ever. In that one text where it was say, Mom, I forgot my lunch money, my, you know, the let the pets out. I can identify with that still, but not much longer, and it makes me sad. I wanted to just put up a, a kind of a funny little slide. The sad thing is it's not really a joke, but Hooters has a Mother's Day special, Moms Eat Free. Let me tell you, all you kids out there, do not bring your mother to Hooters. That is not a Mother's Day gift, so. But that was really there, and someone sent me that picture. Today we are celebrating all the moms that are here. Mother's Day is a special day, but for many, it's a day filled with heartache and pain. And I know a lot of women that want to stay home on Mother's Day. Maybe Mother's Day holds heartache and pain because you lost your mother recently. Maybe Mother's Day holds heartache and pain for you because you've prayed many years for a child and you've never had one. Maybe it holds heartache and pain because your mother abandoned you or hurt you or didn't know how to raise you. Maybe you feel shame because your children are living a prodigal life and there's nothing you know that you can do about it. Maybe your pain is because you don't have a close relationship with your children or because you've made past mistakes and you don't know how to undo them. Well, I want to talk to every woman that's here today, and I want you to drop your defenses because this is an inclusive message to all of you women, and I want you to know that you are loved, that you are appreciated, and that God has a call and a plan on your life, and he's given you unique gifts that you can use to serve and minister to others. I'm going to talk about how women are uniquely created today to be nurturers, how it is women that have prayed most of us into the kingdom, a mother, a grandmother, an aunt. And I'm going to talk about how we as women tend to be to believe the best about our kids, about those we love, even when they're not behaving the best. And I'm going to talk about this today. First off, I want to give a thank you to some special women in my life that have helped make me who I am today. The first one I want to mention is my mother. I have a godly 
mother who loved us unconditionally, who always prayed for us, who taught us about God. I have a wonderful, kind, and compassionate mother-in-law, always giving, always helping with our kids. She was the the closest grandmother to my kids and five hours away, but I can't tell you how many times she came to celebrate, to babysit, to help when we needed help. I had a third grade teacher. Her name was Miss Karen Moore. Now, when I was in third grade, I thought she was old. I can't tell you how old she was. She wasn't married. She didn't have any children, but she invested in the lives of her kids, and because of her, I learned a passion for reading. The, 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 the goal at the end of the year, if you had the most books read, was to get to go to San Francisco on a date with your, your third grade teacher, and I got to go. That was pretty incredible. I had a Sunday school teacher growing up by the name of Priscilla Samora, and she not only taught me about God, but she brought me on my first missionary trip at a young age, and because of her, I now am a missionary. I want to shout out to Janet Smith. When Rebecca was born, my youngest, I had two kids that went to private school a few, quite a few miles away, and Janet would come by on Monday mornings on our day off and take our kids to school. I want to shout out to Jeannie Burge, who, when my kids were little, we didn't have any grandparents in town, and she often would take my kids into her home and keep them when, when Pastor John and I had to go out of town. There was a woman by the name of Miss Lill, and Miss Lill was, the she called herself Rebecca's surrogate grandmother. And she was constantly keeping uh, Rebecca and taking care of her from infant age all the way up and through preschool and early elementary. And um, one day when Rebecca was in Sunday school, she said, she'd get the word surrogate confused with arrogant and said, I have an arrogant grandmother. And her teacher corrected her, but she didn't know what she had said wrong. I also want to say thank you to all of the nursery workers, kids' zone workers, powerhouse workers that invested in the lives of my children, that helped make them who they are now um, as adults and as young adults. And it's because of all of you that I can stand up here and say thank you. Why don't you turn with me to Proverbs 31? Proverbs 31 is not always a woman's favorite passage in the Bible. Because it sets a really high bar of excellence. And we think, how are we ever going to attain to that become that kind of woman? But let me tell you, it is something that we make choices every day. We choose to cultivate that fruit of the Spirit in our life. Fruit has to sometimes be, the tree has to be pruned. It has to be fertilized. It has to be watered. If we will water these things in our life, we will become that Proverbs 31 woman. Let's read verse 10. Who can find a truly excellent woman? One who's superior in all that she is and all that she does. Verse 17, she wraps herself in strength, carries herself with confidence. She works hard. 20, she reaches out to the poor, extends mercy to those in need. 26, she conducts her conversations with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is always on her lips. 28, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband, too, joins in the praise. There are some, indeed many women, who do well in every way. But of all of them, only you are truly excellent. 
Charm can be deceptive. Physical beauty will not last. But a woman who reveres or fears the Lord should be praised above all others. Celebrate all she has achieved. Let all her accomplishments publicly praise her. Today, we're going to celebrate not only the moms, but we're going to celebrate some untraditional moms. Some of these women may never have given birth to their own children, and some of these women we're celebrating may have a house full of children, but still had chosen to reach out to those that weren't their children. I want to celebrate you, whether you're young or old, whether you've given birth or you've not given birth, whether you have a house full of children. Because when we live a life honoring God and serving others, people will one day rise up and they will call you blessed. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was nurturing. You know the old book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or something like that? Well, it's true. We as women are created differently in the way we nurture not just young children, but even others in our lives. We are nurturers. Nurturing is the act of encouraging, nourishing, and caring for someone or something. It's both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. A nurturer is gracious, gentle, compassionate, encouraging, loving, and kind. This mother, this woman, is someone who brings good and not harm to those she loves. She's kind. She's generous. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. Yesterday, we read in our Bible reading guide, Ephesians 4, and the whole chapter of Ephesians 4 is about relationships, and it has a lot of nurturing words in it. Let me just read you a little bit of this. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1, Paul says, I beg you. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Women, mothers, we have a call on our life. We are called to be that mother. We are called to be a nurturer. Live a life worthy. Always be humble, humble, unselfish, gentle, patient. Make an allowance for each other's faults. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Give generously to those in need. Let everything you say be good and helpful and encouragement to those who hear them. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. This is signs, characteristics of a nurturer. We need to live this kind of life. And let me tell you, it's a choice we make every day. It's something that we can grow in our life. It's something that we can become good at. I'm going to show you a picture of two of my dear friends. This is Cherie Manning, and this is Pat Stewart. These two are nurturers. They both have adopted a young mom in our church who has stage 4 cancer. They go, and they'll clean her house. They will bring her meals. They will help with the kids. She has four little children. They are nurturers, and Cherie... She's never given birth, but she has a true mother's heart. Second thing I wanted to talk to you about was praying. And I asked you earlier, how many of us are saved or going to church today because of a praying mother? And in, the, in other services, over half the congregation would lift their hand or raise their hand. Mothers pray, and they keep on praying. 
whether their kids are at home or they're far away, we don't give up and we don't quit until we see our kids walking and serving God. And then we pray even more that they will continue to live for God. We don't give up. Women, we are called to pray for the next generation. We are called to not give up on them. Colossians 1, 9 through 10, this is a prayer that I turn these scriptures into that I pray over my children. Lord, I pray that my children will have knowledge of your will and that they will also have spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray that they will grow to know you better and better each day. Then they will honor and please you and they will produce every kind of good fruit. I'm going to show you a picture of my grandmother. Now, my grandmother had five children. Her husband didn't serve God, but he helped her get him dressed and send him to church every Sunday morning. Three of her sons and my grandfather were all had problems with alcoholism, were all not serving God. But for a praying mother, for a pr- she and a praying wife, she kept praying for them. And she stood. She was a prayer warrior. She stood in the gap for them. My grandfather, just a year or two before he died, got saved and water baptized with my little sister. Every one of my uncles before my grandmother died, all got saved. They, got, they joined the church. They started living for God because of a praying mother. We, our prayers make a difference. The last thing I wanted to say was believing. Moms tend to be the ones who believe the best about their children. They still see the good in their kids even when they're messing up. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love bears up under anything and everything. Ready to believe the best. Its hopes are faithless. It endures. Love never fails. I had a friend, her name was Alicia Cantu, traveled with me, was, a, was an interpreter for me. She and her husband were elders in our church, and they moved here to Texarkana to be near a son that was in prison. One of her sons was here in the church serving in the sound booth, and her, the family was being raised here. And I said to her one day, I know you're proud of your son. And she looked at me, and she said, I'm proud of both of my sons. One in prison, one serving God in church. She never gave up. She never quit loving him and believing the best about him. And because of that, his life has been changed. I'm going to celebrate in just a minute some non-traditional moms. The first picture is Angela Honey. Angela was never able to have children of her own, but she adopted or she raised her niece and her nephew when their mama couldn't raise them. Dorothy Jones, an untraditional mama, raising her two grandchildren. All of you grandmothers out there that are raising your grandchildren, we celebrate you. Granny Begrade is what I call them. It's all the rockers. Right now in that infant nursery, we have several grannies in there, whether they are biologically a grandmother or not, that are serving all the moms that are in here with infants in that nursery. Last week, that was me with my grandson. They were on the floor with him, playing with him, talking, holding, and loving him. The next one is Anisha Rashid. Anisha has adopted five children, never given birth to one of them, but even with five children, there was room for one more in her house, and she helped a young woman in our church that found herself homeless, and she brought her into her home. Marsha Jirasi, full house of children. A blended family. And when a student said to her, will you be my mom? 
because his mom had died. She found room, no bed, no bedroom, but found room in her home to bring German into her house. Shelby Halliburton, this young girl just died just about a month or so ago. But she was one that was always helping young moms, babysitting for them when they couldn't afford traditional babysitters. And she always had a child on her hip, loving them and serving them. Karen Rayfield, shout out to her. She not only helps single moms at our House of Grace, but all across our city, helping them get food, clothing, whatever they need for their family. And she also helps raise this little boy when he comes into her home, when his mama can't keep him. She and, and Artie, I shout out to Karen. Linda Baker, we just celebrated her homegoing last week. Linda Baker was a teacher for 40 years. She not only mentored and loved thousands of students, she mentored and loved young teachers and helped them to become good, excellent teachers. I want to shout out to all of you today and tell you, you can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the nurturing heart of a mama, a praying heart of a mama. You can be one that believes the best even when those around you are not behaving like they should and see them loved back into the perfect place that God has for them. Ruth 3.11 says, all the people in our town know you are a good woman. Let that be said of your life. Doesn't matter what's happened in the past. What matters is today. How are you going to live the rest of today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life, nurturing and caring for others? Happy Mother's Day. Well, she did a good job. Now you know why I don't let her preach very often. I, I, I don't want to lose my job. I'm afraid this week she's going to want half my paycheck because she preached half the sermon anyway. Hey, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and I do hope you'll say hello to my mom uh, uh, after church, getting those cupcakes out there, but please don't ask her if I was a wild child growing up. I don't want her lying on the church grounds. Ephesians chapter 6, it's a passage we looked at about how to have a happy home. Children... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. The next word we're going to look at is the word honor. It is God's intention that a child learn authority, to respect authority, to submit to authority by first responding to his or her parents. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. By being respectful and doing what mom and dad require. But as a child ages, obedience turns into honor. And I want you to look at verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother, Rebecca, your father and mother. <laughs> this is the first commandment with a promise. Now, we're quoting the Ten Commandments, and he's going to refer to commandment number five that God gave Moses, remember, on the mountain. First commandment with a promise. If you honor your mother and father, things will go well with you, and you'll have a long life on the earth. I guarantee you, every one of us wants to have long life. We want things to go well, but there's a huge if there, and it's conditional that we apply this word honor to our parents. Uh, this word honor, if you looked in the dictionary, it would talk about respect. It would talk about recognition. Uh, I, I know many of the hundreds of women that are here this morning, but I had one stand, my mother, to honor her, to recognize her. 
Honor, though, has more than just a feeling. Honor has action associated with it. Now, here's the Miller translation. Honor means to give back. Honor gives back the love, the kindness, the care, and the sacrifice that we received. Honor gives back. That's what I've entitled the message, Honor Gives Back. Uh, in childhood, parents do everything. Uh, parents change diapers, they feed the child, they clothe the child, they have all the answers, they tie the shoes. Uh, we had our grandson for about 12 days, and he had five willing babysitters. We were even lining up to change stinky diapers. Are, are you with me today? I changed my share. Uh, we love that kid. And, and, and for him to love us back, it was a giggle, it was a smile, it was a laugh. But how many know it's not all like that? Sometimes it's throwing fits, sometimes it's being angry, sometimes it's a teenager slamming the door and saying, I wish I, wish my real, I was at my real dad's house or whatever the case may be. Parenting is not always easy, it's not always fun, but as a parent, I give, back, I give to my child. But when that child becomes an adult in the parent's age or the significant mother figure in life or even someone that God places on your heart, honor gives back to them. It could be running an errand, it could be paying a bill, it could be spending time, it could be bringing them in your home. But this is what I want to talk about for just a few moments, and I want to look at the example of Ruth, and I want you to see that honor gives back. Ruth chapter 1, the Bible says, when the judges ruled in Israel, historically, you remember you had Moses, and then you had Joshua, brought the children of Israel in the promised land, and then their rulers were what were called judges. They were before the kings, King David and King Solomon, and trouble was in the land, a severe famine. And as I read through these verses, I want you to see the problems and challenges that this family faced. The famine was likely the result of the, of the children of Israel's disobedience to God, and it was a form of discipline. But nonetheless, this family, uh, a man from Bethlehem, he left his home and he went to live in Moab. Uh, it's like it was a faraway place. Uh, there was a lot of prejudice that was there. He didn't go because I'm sure he had a job offer. He didn't have family there. He was desperate for survival. Uh, his name was Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. And I want you to remember her name because she's going to be the key person uh, uh, that Ruth would show honor to. Uh, she had two sons. Their name was Malon and Kilion. Well, then sadly, verse 3, Elimelech died, Naomi's husband, and now Naomi's left with her two sons. So we've got famine, we've got a loss of a husband. The two sons marry Moabite women. That's Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah and Ruth. Now more sadness, ten years later, her sons Malon and Kilion died. So I want you to see this family likely did not have time to put down roots and to, to start a business. Likely they just were hand to mouth for all these years. And now it goes from bad to worse. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. Naomi is alone without sons or husbands. So verse 6, she and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and the Lord will reward you for the kindness to your husband and to me. She kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. It was clearly a picture of sadness. It was clearly a picture of love. Love had it developed over 10 years with, the, with the, uh, the husbands of these young girls were her sons. In their day, an agrarian age, likely they all lived in the same home. They shared the same joys and sorrows together. But basically what she says, I don't have anything to offer you. I have no more children. I don't have any money. 
I don't have an inheritance that I can offer you, but I'm going to go back to at least the people that knew me before. I'm going to go back to my homeland, and I hope somebody remembers me and shows kindness. Why don't you go home to your mom and dad? Why don't you go home to your childhood sweetheart? Why don't you go home and, and, and work at the, who, who knows what, the textile store you used to work at. Rebuild your life where there's something known. And one girl went back. But verse 14, uh, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But notice what it says, Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. It was not just a physical grip, but it was a, a, a grip of the soul. It was where honor is displayed, not just to a mother, but now to a mother-in-law. And she makes this great commitment. Ruth replied, wherever you go, I will go. I'll leave my family. I'll leave my homeland. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. I'll be the stranger. I'll be the immigrant. I'll be the unknown. And your God will be my God. I will give up my pagan ways. I will give up my pagan religion because I am committed to you. Wherever you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. You don't get more committed than that. There's no greater level of honor, and it wasn't required, it wasn't demanded, but it was from her heart. Now, if there's an illustration that we can gain from this story, first of all, there's no perfect families. There's no, in this case, you had a woman, she lost her husband, two daughters-in-law, they lose their son-in-laws, there's no mention of children. We don't know what the scenario is, but there's no perfect families in Bible days and even today. Family has shifted today. When I was a boy, I was, had the privilege of being raised on a farm. It was a farmhouse. When Dad got married, they added on to it. So we had a duplex with, with uh, 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 my grandparents on one side, uh, our house on the other. And uh, uh, if I didn't like what Mom was cooking, I'd sneak over to Grandma's house, and Mom would get upset at me. But Grandma always had special things in the refrigerator. So as a kid, it was great. I had one set of grandparents right next door, and uh, if I ever got in trouble with one, the other would stand up for me. Uh, my grandmother, my mother would tell her when grandma would take me shopping in Coldwater, Mississippi. We would, she'd go to the grocery store and she'd go to the drugstore and she said, now don't you buy that boy anything. Well, as soon as mom got out of the car, let us go, you know what happened. I got in that grocery store and I, or that drugstore and I said, I want those Lincoln Logs. Nana, please, can I have those Lincoln Logs? And guess what I walked out with under my arm was Lincoln Logs. Well, that was great. My other set of grandparents moved right up the hill. You know, that was when America was less mobile. Families seemed to be the nuclear family stayed together longer. But, but in today's world, I've got a son in Rogers. I've got a daughter that's going off to Africa, and I've got another daughter that's going to college at UCA. I've got a problem on my hands. But, but families, this is, this is what happens in today's world. But what I want you to see is Ruth loved Naomi and honored her. She made a lifelong commitment to honor her mother-in-law. This commitment involved sacrifice. She showed kindness. And she even was responsible for providing food for the family when they got back to the Bethlehem area or to wherever, wherever they, they took roots. What they said she did is she gleaned in the fields, which means in their day in agrarian society, uh, they would grow wheat or barley, whatever the case is. They would cut it with a sickle, and then they would pick it up. But these girls would glean in the fields, and they'd walk around picking up little kernels of wheat, picking up a kernel of corn, finding something they would take home. They would have to get the husk off of it, and they would grind it for bread. They might have enough to sell a handful to someone else so they could buy some oil. This is how you lived. 
You didn't live for the weekend. You lived to survive. And not only did she take care of herself, she took care of her mother-in-law. Now we're talking about honor. The New Testament teaches this as well. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. Paul said, if a widow has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and do what? Repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, again, in America today, it's almost as if the government has replaced the family, uh, the home, uh, and the church. Uh, in, in America's early days, it was not the government that was a safety net for people. It was Christian churches all over America. That's why there's Baptists and Methodist hospitals and Christians would found orphanages and, and all these different type of, of institutions to help people. In our day today, as the family has disintegrated in many respects, now the government has Medicare and there's nursing homes and all these things. Nothing wrong with any of them, but all I'm saying is in the midst of these decisions that are made, don't stop honoring mom. Don't stop honoring dad, Rebecca. This is for parents. <laughs> Repay your parents by doing what? Taking care of them. This pleases God. Now look at verse 8. Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith, and they're what? Worse than an unbeliever. Boy, that's strong language. Now, Jesus had this kind of sacrificial love for his mother. I want you to think with me as we read this passage. I want you to imagine the scene around the cross when the Roman soldiers had brutalized Jesus. He is a shell of a man as he hangs on the cross. His mother and a couple other gals are around the cross there weeping. This prophecy given to Jesus' mom when Jesus was a baby that a sword would pierce her soul is happening at the foot of this cross. But I want you to notice what Jesus did in his most agonizing moment. Verse 26, he saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved. This was John, John the Beloved, was standing nearby. And Jesus said to her, woman, here is your son. One translation says, consider her, consider her as your son, or consider him as your son. To the disciple, he said, here's your mother. Another translation says, consider her as your mother. Honor her like your mother. Treat her like your mother. Now, it was the responsibility of the oldest child in the Jewish, Jewish society that they would care for the mother uh, if the dad was not alive. It was that oldest son's responsibility. We don't know where Joseph was. Presumably, he was out of the picture. Uh, we don't know where Jesus' brothers and sisters were, his half-brothers and sisters. Probably they were, lived, lived in Galilee. We don't know. All we know is Jesus is caring for his mom. And notice it closes by saying, from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. In other words, the scripture said that he treated her as a member of his own household. Once again, we see an example of not just the nuclear family, the son caring for the mom or the children caring for the parent. We see now someone caring for someone just because it's the right thing to do. And for many of us that perhaps are lonely, perhaps people are missing. I, I tell my wife this sometimes in jest, but I think somewhat serious. I said, well, honey, uh, we need some grandkids close. Let's adopt some. Into our home. I mean, let's have them close. I like the pitter-patter of little feet running around the house, but I also like to give them back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the point is, we have love to give. Because guess what? When you give love, you get love. 
when you give love to that little baby, I must confess, I only got up one morning when the little baby was here real early. But my wife got up every day and she said that's the best loving she got of the day. She'd wake him up and he would do this and she'd change his diaper and he'd just go to smiling and cooing and loving on her. And the best he could say was da, 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 da. Which meant, interpreted is, where's Pops? I want to see him too. Go get him out of bed. That's what that meant. And she didn't know that. But this is what love is like. Uh, Our mom, our mother figure took care of us when we needed it. We should take care of her when she needs it. May not be easy or costly, but it's the right thing to do. My mom knows that she's welcome in my home. My sister's told her she's welcome in her home. My brother knows she's welcome in his home. Listen, uh, anyway, that's the Miller family. But, But let's go on a little bit further with Ruth. Now, you might say, man, Pastor, that was a hard thing Ruth did. I mean, she made a huge sacrifice. She did, but I want you to see what God did for her when she honored her mother-in-law. Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. Boaz, he comes on the scene. He's what's called a kinsman redeemer. He is a relative of Naomi, but Boaz is is a farmer. He has food. Notice what it says. Boaz replied, I also know about, and he's speaking to, to Ruth, I know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. In other words, people watch what you do. People are watching, but more importantly, God is watching. I've heard how you left your mother and father, your own land, sacrifice, to live here among complete strangers. And now he prays a prophetic prayer of blessing. And listen to what he says. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whom wings you've come to take refuge, may he do what? Reward you, say it again, reward you fully for what you've done. You say, well, how did that happen in the story? Glad you asked. Ruth found herself gleaning in the fields of Boaz, but rather than just getting a piece of grain here or a piece of grain there, Boaz instructed the people that were harvesters, pour some piles of grain here and there and let her pick it up. He told them, make sure she gets fresh water to drink. She didn't have a tap to turn on. And he also said, protect her, because she was a young, pretty woman all, all alone, and he provided for her. So something is being set in motion as she's honoring her child, but it gets better. Chapter 4, verse 13, Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. So now we find a widow woman who lost her, her young husband. Now we find her penniless in a place that nobody knew her, nobody was obligated to her, but now she has a roof over her head, now she has someone to provide for her, now she has someone to love her, but it gets even better. She has a child, and notice verse 17, they named him Obed. Well, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? I'm glad you asked. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of King David, Arguably the greatest king Israel ever knew. And guess who got to have influence in David's life? I bet it was Grandma Ruth, come on, and likely great-grandmother Naomi. They got to have an impartation to one of the greatest spiritual leaders in the history of the world. So now we're not only getting roof over our head, food to eat, love from a husband, a child to be born, but now we're able to make an impact in the world. And listen to what's recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1, as it begins the New Testament with a genealogy of Jesus Christ, guess who winds up in this genealogy? Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. They say there's six and a half billion people on the planet today. 
virtually all of these people will not be remembered beyond their lifetime and beyond the town or village they lived in. But yet here's a woman who is just as obscure as most of the world today, and her name is recorded in the Bible. Come on now. A book where millions and billions have read about her being inspired by her life thousands of years after she died. Can I tell you, friends, it just doesn't get any better than that. Listen, you honor your mother. You honor those mother figures in your life, and God sees it and notices it. Let me close with this about God blesses those who honor mom. Ephesians 6, this was our text today. Listen to the words in the context of Ruth. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise from God. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on earth. God blessed Ruth because she honored Naomi. Not only did she get family and provision, but she was in the legacy of Jesus Christ. And how many know that same promise applies to us today? So listen, if God did it for Ruth, God will do it for us. And I pray your honor would extend to your mother, your mother-in-law, grandmothers, or significant mother figures in your life. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Well, here's how we're going to close. We're going to have a little prayer of blessing over certainly mothers, but maybe you want to be a mom, maybe you're pregnant, but I want to expand it even further. Maybe you're a woman that's here today and you say, Pastor, I need a special touch from God that has nothing to do with Mother's Day. We want to be able to pray for you. We have a little rose we want to give you, so I'm going to encourage you if you'll just stand up and come as close to the front as possible. We all won't be able to make it. But as you're coming, we've got a bunch of roses to give out. Now listen, if the bucket's empty by you, you hang on because there's another one that's coming around and we want to make sure that we bless you. Uh, after after these, uh, these moms and our, our closing prayer, come on, ladies, you've got to get up out of your chair and come on up here now. Just punch them and say, go on up there. Don't be embarrassed or shy. But after we have our prayer, uh, out front we've got the, the place to take pictures with the moms one for Mother's Day. Come on, you got to squeeze tight and around the altar area here. And we've also got some cupcakes out there to celebrate Mom and celebrate Imagine More. But Linnell's going to read a poem, so do your best to kind of get as close as you can, and some will be in the aisles, and we'll just, we'll just make do. This is called the Mother's Day Prayer. Maybe you are like Tamar, struggling with infertility or a miscarriage. We are praying for you. Or like Naomi and have known the bitter sting of a child's death. We are praying for you. Or you are like Joseph and Benjamin and your mom has died. We are praying for you. Maybe your relationship with your mom was marked by trauma, abuse, or abandonment. We are praying for you. Maybe you are like Moses' mother and put a child up for adoption, trusting another family to love your child into adulthood. We are praying for you. Or like Pharaoh's daughter, called to love children who are not yours by birth. We are praying for you. Maybe you're like Miriam, given the task to watch over your younger siblings. We are praying for you. Maybe you're watching your mother age and disappear into the long goodbye of dementia. We are praying for you. If you, like Mary, are pregnant for the very first time, waiting breathlessly for the miracle of your first child, we are praying for you. If your child have turned, children have turned away from you, painfully closing the door on relationship, we are praying for you. Or like Hagar, you are now mothering alone. We are praying for you. If motherhood is your greatest joy and toughest struggle, all rolled up into one, we are praying for you. 
you are watching your child battle substance abuse, a public legal situation, mental illness, we are praying for you. Or maybe you do not wish to be a mother or not married or in so many other ways do not fit into societal norms. We are praying for you. If you see yourself reflected in all or none of these stories, we are praying for you. This Mother's Day, wherever and whoever you are, you are loved, you are seen, you are worthy. And may you know the deep, extravagant love without end of our Heavenly Father, who is the very best example of a parent that we know. Amen. Linnell's going to have a prayer of blessing, but I'd like to, if I could, step into the shoes of your kids for just a minute. And I'd like to say something that you may not hear very often, and that is, thank you. Some kids don't have the capacity to realize what they've got. Some kids were born with some type of disability and, and, and they just are doing the best they can. Some kids are knucklehead and they just expect that you're an automatic cash machine, they expect that you're a washing machine, they expect that you're a short order cook. They expect that you're a shopper and they expect that you always have money, but yet rarely do they say thank you. I want to, if I could, just say thank you. I want to say thank you for not giving up on tearless nights. I want to say thank you for going back to them and apologizing when really they were in the wrong. I want to say thank you for you that were single moms that raised a child on your own. You never had anybody to walk with you and that child took more than they gave. And I want to say something. The second thing I want to say is would you forgive me or forgive them? Would you forgive them for the knucklehead things that they did that they never paused to say, I'm sorry, I wish I wouldn't have. I want to say, please forgive me for what I did to hurt you because more than likely they didn't mean to hurt you. I want to say, forgive me because I was not there for you when you were there for me. And the last thing I want to say is I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to never stop praying. You see, when we say, my kids, it's really a misnomer. Nobody owns those kids. They're on loan from God. They belong to God. And at some level, our role is greater than a mom. It's a role of being a spiritual covering for another human being to pray that their heart turns back to the God of their fathers. And I want to encourage you, never stop praying. Never give up, no matter how dark it looks, no matter how bleak it looks. Never give up even if you've had to change the locks on your house because they're addicted to meth and they steal everything you have. Never give up. You don't have to leave them in your house and let them steal from you. Are you with me today? But never give up. Never stop praying because your prayer has power and God has given your child the same thing he gave Adam and Eve, free will, to make choices. And sometimes those are dumb choices. But you can be the channel of the blessing and the love and the mercy and grace of God to reach out to your child in the place of prayer and believe for their restoration. I love you and I'm very proud of you. I'm about to pray, but I just felt like I was supposed to do this. Jasmine, I want to say thank you for all you do to take care of your brother. You've been a mama to him in many ways, and we want to say as a church, thank you for doing that. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for all of you. Lord, I just thank you for all of these women here. I thank you for every mother, 
for every grandmother, for every aunt, for every woman who has taken into her heart or into her home children in need, women in need, others that are in need. I thank you that these are generous women. I thank you that these are kind women. I thank you that these are women that are praying women. I pray right now for anyone here, Lord, in this congregation, in this altar that are hurting because either of past mistakes, because of choices that have happened in their past, because of neglect or because of whatever it was that today you would bring healing, you would bring peace, you would let them know that you love them, those that are grieving the loss of a child or a parent, those that are feeling abandoned or alone, I pray today, Lord, that you would minister your love because you are someone that will never leave them. You are someone that will never forsake them. You are their provider. You are their comforter. You are their husband. You, O oh Lord, are our father. And I pray for these women that, Lord, they would reach out and they would receive your love. They would reach out and they would receive your mercy. They would reach out and receive your peace. I pray bless these mothers, bless these women today. Encourage them, strengthen them. Let them know they're not doing this alone. Let them know that, God, you are right there beside them, that your Holy Spirit is their helper when they don't know what to do, that, Lord, you will show them. You will speak to them. You will minister to them. I pray your blessings, Lord, on these women. And I pray today they will leave here with a smile on their lips, with peace in their hearts, Lord, knowing that you are a good father and you love them and you're saying, I'm proud of you, my daughter. I bless these women in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We want to say happy Mother's Day and thank you all for coming here and celebrating with us. We have roses for each of you. If you wait, they'll come and they'll find their way to you. And also, I just wanted to mention that we have cupcakes under the awning um, to celebrate Imagine More and breaking the 1.25 million. And also, there's a photo booth, booth outside, moms, to get your pictures with your family. We love you all. God bless you.